I am Dr. Lamont Repolette, New Jersey's Commissioner of Education. Welcome to the DOE Digest, a podcast from the New Jersey Department of Education. It is a platform for information exchange in which the department will highlight the work being done by innovative and transformative educators around the state. I have been working to redesign the Department of Education to what I call NJDOE 2.0. This podcast is one of the ways that we utilize our digital platform to help strengthen teaching, leading, and learning, and increase educational equity for the 1.4 million students across New Jersey. I hope you enjoyed today's topic. Hello, and welcome to the Dewey Digest. I'm your host, Ken Bond. I want to start off this episode by saying that all of us at the New Jersey Department of Education wish the best for you and yours during this difficult time. We wanted to feature a topic that would help us think through how to take care of our own and our students' mental health as we navigate this new reality. This episode features a remote interview that I conducted with the South Brunswick School District. We start off the interview by discussing general ways that they're addressing mental health in this environment of remote instruction. Then we transition to discuss the amazing virtual mental health fair that they conducted with their students and community from their district. I hope that you enjoy this discussion as much as I did. Just a quick note before we start. The first 20 or 30 seconds are a little bit garbled because of some audio connection issues. After that, it clears up. Let's jump in. Could everyone introduce themselves? I'm Donna Maureen, one of the nurses from South Brunswick High School. Uh, my name is Aaron Millman. I'm the student assistance coordinator at South Brunswick High School, and I collaborate with the leadership club. Um, I'm Kara Henderson. I'm also the student assistance counselor at two middle schools and a high school. Hi, I'm Amy Finkelstein. I'm the supervisor of student assistance and wellness um, at K-12 throughout the district. I help to oversee mental health programs. I supervise the counseling and nurse departments and any of our lead response team programs as well. Hi, I'm Meryl Orlando. I'm a family and consumer sciences teacher at South Brunswick High School. Uh, my uh, relationship to this fair is that I'm the, I want to say, the founder of the fair. We started it five years ago, and this is one of my passions. Excellent. Thank you so much. So, how have you been approaching mental wellness in this new environment remotely? Sure. This is Kara. Um, I'll take this one. So, during this time, Aaron, the other SAC, and I, as well as some of the nurses, we created a group called the Wellness Bunch, where we met every day for about an hour to kind of discuss how to bring, you know, mental health to everyone and and not only reach the students, but also the families that, you know, are being affected during this time. So we created a Google Classroom at the high school. That's kind of how we started to collaborate and bounce ideas off of each other. We started with interacting with the kids via Zoom. I know Mr. Millman and Nurse Maureen can probably speak more to this. They had some of their meetings were online still, so they still continued to meet with their kids um, once a week. I ran my group still once a week. So we're trying to keep things as normal as possible. I think keeping the kids on a schedule is really, really important during this time. So I don't know if anyone else wants to add to that. This is Donna Maureen. As one of the advisors to the Public Health Club, I have over 200 students in that club. So it's a really broad audience that we can reach 
And then with uh, the Incorruptible Us, we have a about 60 members in that. And then also Aaron's Youth to Youth Club, he has, I believe, maybe 60 to 80 students. So it really helps us that, that we're joined with these clubs, these large clubs that support mental health. That's what they're about. Public health is the big umbrella and uh, mental health falls under it. Youth to youth falls under leadership and drug prevention, mental health and incorruptible S of course, anti-vaping and addiction associated with mental health also. So it, we're, we're fortunate that we have these clubs where we can recruit these students to help out recruit other students with the initiatives that we have in place. Aaron, you might want to add something to that. So, yeah, I mean, I think really bridging the uh, gap here with regards to our staff and staying con connected to all the guidance counselors, it's really easy for kids to kind of hide or kind of detach and that kind of thing. So I really take a lot of effort to kind of reach out and communicate with the guidance counselor, with the nurses, stay on top of that kind of scanning and seeing what's going on. Some of our caseworkers and the child study team have communicated to us the kids that are struggling. So I think it's really staying connective and being aggressive in that respect with regards to that communication because we it's all hands on deck. I mean, teachers have their eyes open. Our, our, our community is phenomenal. Our teachers in our district are wonderful and they care so immensely uh, as most people who go into education do. They check in. We get feedback from our kids raving about our teachers who are just tuned in to the students' needs and if they're struggling and having a hard time. So we really work together as a community, and, and that's what this is going to take for us to be successful as educators. So the next question I wanted to get into is what opportunities have you seen to serve students in your district during this time as you're thinking about ways to reach out to them and really make connections. So you talked about those connection points and, and what you're doing. How do you follow up if you see students who really need an extra hand and some extra help? Hi, this is Amy. So I wanted to share too that um, because I, I supervise counselors um, in the younger grades as well. And so what they're doing um, is checking in very frequently with parents and teachers to figure out who might be struggling, not only academically, but feeling more anxiety and feeling overwhelmed. Um, a lot of kids are having trouble with managing their own time during the day. And now as we go longer and longer, their whole schedules are getting thrown off. So they're offering multiple opportunities for kids to virtually join in groups, whether it be counseling um, that they were already maybe a part of or something new um, where they're doing a lunch group with a lot of kids so that they're able to still um, zoom in and have lunch with their friends and a counselor can more just kind of facilitate a little bit of a conversation or do a game with them. We've got counselors jumping into morning meetings at the elementary level and maybe the topic of the morning can be scheduling your day or what is something that you can do for self-care. Um, so they've got a lot of really good initiatives going on at the younger levels as well that I just wanted to point out. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's huge to really make sure that you're covering all ages because it's important to serve all students and not just kind of think about those critical times for students who are older, but also critical times as students develop at younger ages to make sure that you're taking care of their mental wellness and mental health. That's excellent. I mean, and the other thing as well um, is that we were talking as a group the other day about what would be the most relevant um, lesson that we could teach right now. And some of the counselors felt that 
for right now, focusing again on cyberbullying and online harassment was crucial, especially with all of the remote learning going on. They're going to be pushing into fifth and fourth grade classes to do a review of online etiquette. What is cyberbullying and harassment? What to do if you see it happening? So again, that goes along with a lot of the work that they've already been doing on HIB and reporting. But just because it's such a focus at this time, we felt it was important to get back virtually into the classrooms to do a review. Wow, yeah. I was talking to a colleague today and you know, there's been a lot of different flexibilities related to remote instruction, but one thing that hasn't become any any different or hasn't been changed at all is the uh, harassment, intimidation, and bullying law. And districts are still responsible for addressing yeah. bullying in their districts. So it's so important that you're taking these steps to ensure that students are able to thrive and and not be bullied. And if, if bullying does occur, that it's addressed. So it's excellent to hear that you're, you're thinking that way as well. So I, I really wanted to transition to talking about the virtual mental health fair that you held and just where the idea came for the fair. So could, could someone talk to that for a little bit? Sure, this is Meryl Orlando. About six years ago, we had a faculty meeting in the summer in the library and they rolled out the district goals and one of them was physical wellness and another one was mental health wellness and I sat there and thought about the kids that would have trouble finding somebody to help them or that felt uncomfortable knocking on the door of a counselor's office. So I envisioned this sort of a craft mental health wellness fair, if you can picture the setup, where students would walk from table to table and get information. And they would be able to get those kinds of resources and start those important conversations in the anonymity, being amongst all these other students. So it wouldn't feel uncomfortable for them. So the first year we did that, we had about 20 presenters at tables and we had about 300 kids come. Last year was our fourth year. We had over 900 kids come. It happens during the day in the spring, and our numbers have increased in terms of the presenters. Our theme is stop the stigma, stamp out the stress. So we really appeal to a wide variety of students and staff. So we were going to do it this year. It was going to be April 3rd, and then all of this happened. And never once to quit. We don't quit. And where there's a will, there's a way. We all decided that we should go virtual this year. And that's what we did. I also want to mention that I've been in touch with lots of other schools. And to date, we've had four, Montgomery High School one and Voorhees High School two and middle school here, two of them. And, and then my favorites are the two in California. We had a middle school in the Watt section of Los Angeles held a parent and a child uh, mental health wellness fair, and then a high school in Daly City, California. I will go anywhere and do anything to to, uh, speak with interested teachers and staff and social workers. So that was the plan for this year, and then we went virtual. It's really was a quick turnaround, but we did it. We have a wonderful committee, an amazing committee, and we, we made sure that it happened. That's excellent. Can you tell me a little bit about how you figured out how to structure a virtual fair? So just like we do 
in our in-person fairs, we have a combination of more of the heavy-duty hitters, the treatment programs, the counseling services. And then we always add something that helps children with and students with stress. And so those are some of the fun things. And we made sure that those were included in this. It's a really, really nice mixture of things. So I myself did a stress ball video, how to make a stress ball. And this year we also got some uh, sports figures to come and talk about what they're doing you know, in the midst of all this, how they're keeping in shape, and they gave uh, our students a, a shout out. It was really, really great. Donna, do you want to talk about the live part? Sure. So the live part was interesting. At one point, we were going to we weren't going to do any live presenters, but then we said, no, 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 no. This is the this is the part of the fair that we really, really want. Oh, besides, in addition to now, we were able to invite the community. So um, I have a background in public health, also a master's, so uh, that was really big for me to invite the community to this program because we were not able to invite the community uh, into the school because we wanted to um, keep the confidentiality in place for the students during the day. We didn't want them, you know, going to one table and then their parent being there also. So it was a great opportunity to, to invite the community. But as far as the live presenters go, you know, in brainstorming with the group, we, we would be on a, at least once a day, a couple of times, you know, texting all, all times of the night, 8 o'clock at night, I have this idea, I have that idea. So we thought that, we, we just thought about the resources that we have in our community. And because we are so focused on mental health in South Brunswick, we had many, many presenters. So I had a very good friend who is an emergency room doctor in Texas. So I asked him if he would do a live presentation and connect it to mental health. And then we were also looking for professionals. And Aaron, Aaron, you can speak to Matt Bellis and also um, Yuko. Yeah, Matt Bellis is a really interesting guy located in Princeton. And I've had seen him speak several times over the years. He speaks at a lot of the conferences, prevention conferences, leadership conferences, and he's a comedian and a psychologist. So what a great combo to really kind of understand. If you want to understand what makes teenagers tick, it's humor. And he just really responds very positively to kids, and the interaction was really good, and he brings in the humor, but he also approaches things from a very serious uh, way as well, and it's kind of realistic. And the kids just, they appreciate that, I think, honesty and, and just how he kind of laughs at at things in a, in a really fun way. Um, Yuko Anzana is also a local therapist in our in our community who has just been incredible, and we've relied a great deal on Yuko to interact with kids and provide supports to local families and support our students in the community. We we did this, I think, too, to throw out there with a real eye on diversity, recognizing that our community has a large Southeast Asian population, which is really important to me to kind of structure our fair with that in mind, recognizing the diversity, recognizing that strength. I mean, one of our best strengths of our community is how everybody comes together from a, a different environment, a different maybe religious tradition, and respecting that and honoring that as we, as we educate the community. With, with these types of events, oftentimes it's not just the students in the community who are impacted. Oftentimes something in the session speaks to us personally or the way that we see students receive something speaks to us personally. So I just wanted to ask you what what during these sessions really impacted you as as a result of being a part of them? What were the highlights from from being involved? I wanted to 
jump in, and this is Amy. I think for us, I mean, one of the, the highlights was the fact that we did it. Like, we pulled it off and felt like we accomplished it in a very short amount of time. I think the level of support and involvement from our presenters to be willing to do it virtually, they easily could have said, like, nah, like, that seems like a lot. We don't really want to make a video or go live. Almost everybody jumped in. Um, and either did a video recording or was willing to go live with us or send us information that we could post and share. And um, just the amount of excitement around it and the fact that it came together as well as it did. We're not tech teachers, but we had a lot of collaboration um, with the tech department, with our um, tech educators, our library staff, so many people in our building that were just willing to jump in and help. And so I think there were so many good things that came out of it that now, even looking forward at doing it, um, in a lot, hopefully we'll be, be back in school next by next spring to do it live again. But everybody said, you know, you should do both. There should always now be a virtual component um, so that people can go in at any time if they missed anything, if, if they forgot a resource and um, wanted to make a contact, that they can always go back in. Um, and we have it living in our district website. Um, and it's just such a great resource now. Yeah, this is Kara piggybacking off of what Amy said. I think we really learned how to adapt during this time and really come together, not only to provide these resources and wellness videos to the students, but again, their, their siblings, families, maybe if they have students that are home from college that might need some of these resources as well. And the idea that, you know, even if they couldn't attend virtually on that day, that this this uh, site is live and it's going to be live for the time being, which is which is definitely awesome. I would say my personal highlight is, again, reaching not only the high school students, but also some of my middle school students with this. I think prevention is really, really important during this time. I think working, you know, with the sixth to eighth grade as they transition into high school, they need to have these set of coping skills to kind of help them to get through. Same thing with college, um, some of the seniors. So I think that we were able to kind of take this opportunity and no, do what we normally would do in school, but instead we were able to reach such a larger audience, which I'm really thankful for. Yeah, this is Aaron. I felt really uh, excited about the fact that we had students take part in this. And I think this is crucial for schools out there to involve students because students need to have a voice. They need to feel empowered if we're going to develop those leadership skills, which I think in turn really helps those kids who struggle, but also any student who, who feels like they, they have, they're valued in the community. So we had students participate from our leadership group, Incorruptible Us, and they did the uh, connections between vaping, addiction, and mental health, which is such an important thing. And I was just blown away at what a great job these kids did, two of our student leaders from the uh, Incorruptible S group, which, again, you know, schools across the state and across the country struggled with vaping concerns this year. And to hear it from their peers, it's such a powerful thing. And then the one other place we used a student was uh, one of our student leaders graduating senior who did the intro, and I thought, let's put her right at the beginning so she could pull students in, kind of tell them how to use the site. And obviously, us older folks, those are the ones that probably need the direction, but at least coming from a student, it adds legitimacy to it, because I think the students look to one another, and that's really all what student empowerment's about. So I wanted to close this out by just asking what advice you have for educators 
who are looking to do either something like this or maybe something different in terms of how to remotely support students and their mental wellness and mental well-being? I think this is Amy. Um, one of the things that we've been talking about is how to take any of your lessons and incorporate a mental health element. Um, for example, Merrill teaches a, fa a fashion design class, and she was sharing with us the other day about having lessons based on different colors um, with clothing and how your feelings may remind you of, of a color. Um, I probably should have let Merrill explain this better than I can, but really being able to express yourself through color um, in fashion. And we were thinking, well, that's something, you know, other teachers and other disciplines can do through journaling and reflection and talking about even different characters and novels and really helping to identify and label feelings and talking a lot about social emotional skill building. So we're constantly, you know, looking at ways to share out information. We now created not just the website for the fair, but it's another mental health website linked to our homepage with information geared toward middle elementary and high school. Just tons of resources. And we also included a page where anybody can go click for help as a direct way to click and say, it's a Google form, very quick to create, to say, I need help. I'd like to speak to a counselor. I'm in seventh grade. Here's my best contact number. Any student or parent or even a staff member can fill that out and it will go to one of the um, crisis team therapists who will get back to them immediately. So there's a very quick way on our our district website to reach out for help without having to really click 80 different links to find it. And the other thing that we talk a lot about is supporting the mental health of our staff because they're really having a hard time too, juggling teaching and their own families and everything going on. And so making sure to do things like promoting the employee assistance program, offering staff support groups um, from time to time, counselors and staff are working together um, sometimes just meeting for a Zoom on a Friday. We've got some staff offering virtual yoga sessions and meditation um, that staff can do together. So making sure that, you know, we are taking care of our kids, um, but taking care of each other too. Yeah, this is Meryl again. I just want to make sure that credit's uh, given where credit's due. So the uh, assignment that Amy was just talking about was a result of me having given my students in that class the job of creating a lesson plan based on color and fashion. And one of the students who is struggling with issues in her home, she came up with that idea and I thought it was fabulous. So I gave it out as an assignment and all credit to her and I was thrilled to be able to do that. And I, the results were amazing. Yeah. And I'd like to say something about what Amy just said. This is Donna again, one of the nurses. It's really important that we have the support from administration about mental health. And we have it, you know, it, all the way up to our superintendent. He's, he completely supports us as far as mental health goes, and so do all the other administrators. That's why we're able to do what we do. Excellent. So thank you so much for, for spending time with me and for talking about this today. And I just wanted to close by seeing if there's anything else that anyone wanted to talk about that they were hoping I would ask about or that's just been on their mind during the interview. This is Kara. I just, you know, want to thank you guys for recognizing us. Um, I think 
I know, as we all mentioned, we worked really, really hard. And I think that we're all so passionate about this, especially during this time, making sure that no one's fallen through the cracks. We all wish, you know, things could be back to normal. But if we focus and take it one day at a time, that I think that we're all going to get through this. And again, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for, for everything. Thank you. Thank you so much thank for you. having us on. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode. We're excited to talk on the hashtag NJ Ed Partners May Twitter chat on May 19th at 8.30 p.m. about this topic of mental health in a remote setting. Please join us. We look forward to continuing to connect and engage with you about educating the 1.4 million students around the state and hope to talk to you on the hashtag NJEdPartners third Tuesday Twitter chat. You can subscribe to the podcast channel for DOE Digest through your iPhone, in the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you listen to podcasts so that you can get new episodes when they are released. Also, please leave us a review through the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone. It is the best way to help new listeners find us. Neither the New Jersey Department of Education nor its officers, employees, or agents specifically endorse, recommend, or favor views expressed by those interviewed. Discussion of resources are not endorsements. Thanks so much for listening.